0: everybody I know some of you had a hard time saying goodbye to 2021 or 2020 but 2021 is here and good things are ahead right that's like what we do as christians we say our hope is in what lies ahead not what's behind us right and when that's ultimately it's for this new year but ultimately it's for our heavenly home right our heavenly home and have you know in heaven is what we ultimately look forward to And that's what gives us the hope every year and expecting the return of Christ. So that's what we're ultimately living for. So um, we are in the book of Romans, chapter 14, chapter 15, rather. We're in chapter 15. And uh, this is the second to last chapter in Romans. So next week will be our last um, sermon in the book of Romans. So we made it, guys. It only took a year. It happened before COVID, and we're still almost finishing up but what we're doing in the past couple weeks is spending the sermon on the whole chapter and kind of taking the essence of the whole chapter and breaking it down. Because we said this before when people read a letter, when they read the the book of Romans, back in when they got when the church in Rome got it from Paul, they sat down and read the whole letter, right? They read the whole letter like it's us reading the whole book of Romans, but we're doing it chapter by chapter that way. Um And if you guys remember last time we met, it was about there is, there shouldn't be these debates in church. There shouldn't be arguments over debatable things. And he's saying, stop fighting over debatable things. Like some people say it's okay to eat meat. Some people say it's not okay to eat meat, you know, in that context. And they were arguing and saying that you weren't saved. No, you're not saved. And they were fighting over this. And he's saying, let's not argue over disputable things, things that weren't like a clear scriptural guidelines. And um, he even said, if what you're doing is causing somebody to stumble, you should give it up. If what you're doing is is legal in God's eyes, it's totally okay for you to do it, but if it causes a brother to stumble, you should stop. Right? And so it talked about that, like, hey, it's okay. Like, it's even though it's okay with God, it's wrong if it's causing people to stumble. So you need to, you know, do that, and part of that is what today's about. Is like when you give up that freedom, you are dying to yourself, and it's like that's kind of what this um, chapter 15 is all about: is dying to yourself and laying down your life for those around you. Okay, and dying to yourself is all throughout the Bible. It's a theme all throughout the Bible, and Jesus talked about it more than anything: is laying down your life for others. Being what's called a living sacrifice. And, you know, just dying to yourself. You know, and and, and Jesus talks about that so much. And this is the great secret of the Bible. This is the great mystery. If you are living for yourself, you're going to be miserable. If you die to yourself, you'll be happy. That's the great mystery of the Bible. And I don't like using the word happy because happy is such a fleeting emotion. But it just goes well because... In our day and age, we're always seeking happiness. And what the culture says is, if you please yourself, and if you try to please yourself and look you'll be happy. But what the Bible teaches is, if you die to yourself, lay down your interest for those around you and those you love, that's where you find true joy. So if you live for yourself, you'll be miserable. If you live for others and live for God, you'll be happy. That's where joy is found. And that's the great mystery of the Bible. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. If, and Jesus said, If anybody wants to come after me, he must deny himself. And then he says, Take up your cross, which is an instrument of death, and follow me daily. He's saying, Take up your instrument of death and follow me daily. And then again in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 31, I die every day. Right? That's like the quote right there. Paul. <laughs> he said I die every day. Every day I continually die. And so he's talking about this not like physically dying, obviously because you could only die once. He's talking about dying to your selfishness. Dying to your selfish ways in if you guys know, if you're here today and have breath in your lungs, that even though we're regenerated by our salvation in Jesus, we still have the flesh that we carry around, the Bible calls the old man. In the flesh has very selfish desires, right? That's why even though, you know, we're Christian, we're born again, none of us are perfect because we're always wrestling with this flesh. And the flesh is full of selfishness. What, what can I do? How can I take care of myself? I'm hungry. I want more money. I want this, I want this. And we're always focused on selfishness. And so when you die to yourself, you're dying to your selfish ways. It's not easy. That's why on Mondays, we as a church practice fasting, right? Fasting is a way to die to yourself. And, and it's prayer and fasting, because we said before, fasting without prayer is just starvation. <laughs> But if you pray and fast, you're weakening your flesh and strengthening your spirit. It's like we are purposely giving up some selfish desire, whether it be social media, whether it be food, and we are doing it um, to die to ourselves in that way, and, and devote time to prayer and devote time to Jesus. It's not fun fasting. My wife and I aren't like, yes, it's fasting day, high-fiving each other when we're starving at the end of the day. You know, like, We're usually like, hey, is dinner going to be at 4.30 tonight? Because I'm starving and I haven't ate all day. And uh, maybe we're a little hangry by the end of the day. But it's part of this dying to ourself, and it's been good. If you live to please yourself, none of the Bible is going to make sense to you. If you live to just feed yourself, it's just the Bible's not going to make sense. Like, why would I want to love my enemies? I'd hate my enemies. They're out to get me. The Bible says, love your enemies. And love, and love those who persecute you. Why should I give? Why should I give to charity? Why should I tithe to the church? Why should I do that? I earn that money, and if I keep that money, I can build up my own empire. So why would I give it away? It doesn't make sense. And so with that theme in mind, um, today I'm going to give you three practical ways that you can die to yourself. Found in Romans. Three practical ways you can die to yourself. Okay, so we're going to start in Romans 15, verse 1. It says this. Paul continues after he did this whole, you know, spiel from last week in verse 14. He says this. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbor for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind, in one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying those of you who are mature in your faith need to bear with the failings of the weak, okay? And so he's not saying strong and weak. It's nothing to do with physical. It's saying those of you who are strong in your faith need to come along and have grace for those that are weak in the faith or immature in their faith or new in the faith and all those things. It's like, you need to bear with the failings. If they fall short, be there with them. If they stumble, help them up. Bear with the failings of the weak, you who are strong. So he's saying, do not use your maturity in Jesus to lord it over people, to be self-serving. Do it to, like, help those that are weaker and build them up. And, you know, today's about dying ourselves, dying to ourselves. Remember, If you live for yourself, you'll be miserable. If you die to yourself, that's where true happiness is found. And so, again, dying to yourself, you might be struggling with that theme. And some of you might be like, what does that mean? How does that look like? In a very practical sense, there's two two ways we die to ourselves. And before I get to my three ways that you could practically die to yourselves, there's two times that we die to ourselves. Number one, dying to yourself is a one-time event. Oh, I'm not to this point quite yet. Um, That's actually in a minute. But what it says is there's two ways that you die to yourselves. The first time we die to ourselves is when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Everybody, right, remembers the time when you got saved? Everybody remembers the time that somebody told you about Jesus. Maybe you were only five years old and you got saved. Maybe you were a teenager. Maybe you were in your 20s or 30s. But we all remember the time we got saved. And when we got saved and accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior— we had to make a choice to die to ourselves. It cost us something to get saved, right? It cost us all something. We had to die to ourselves, ask forgiveness of our sins. As Brian said earlier, repent of our sins and turn from our evil ways. You know, I got saved when I was 15 years old and I was a, um, a fr- going into my freshman year of high school when I got saved. My family never went to church Um, I was kind of like that rebel kid who didn't know anything about Jesus. And I went, my friends got me to go to a summer camp, a Christian summer camp. And they shared the gospel with me, and that's how I got saved. But I remember before I accepted Jesus, I had a few struggles that I really, I really pondered if I wanted to follow Jesus or not. And I'll tell you why. You might find this funny. I was 15 years old, and you guys know 15-year-old boys are filled with hormones? Like, I had I was going into high school and I had aspirations in high school. (laughs) I wanted to be like, you know, all those like teen movies like American Pie and stuff? Like, that was me. Like, I wanted to be that. I wanted to have a checklist of girls and I wanted to beat out my friends to be the first one to lose their virginity. That's, that's, I was living for myself. I wasn't a Christian, and I wanted to be that lifestyle, and I remember when they shared the gospel with me, all I could think about is, I can never do these things I really wanted to do, and I would pretty much have to be celibate till I got married, (laughs) and I pondered that, and I pondered that, and it was like this close to not accepting Jesus because of it, and I said, okay, I'm gonna accept Jesus, and I did it, and that was like the hurdle in my mind as a 15-year-old boy, (laughs) right? Like, we all have these hurdles, and I died to myself in that way. And, you know, and it, so that's the one time dying to ourselves when we come to Jesus and accept him. And it costs us something. The other way we die to ourselves is every day. As we already read that verse, like Paul says, I die every day. Does any parents here can relate to I die to myself every day? <laughs> yeah? Joel, Ashley's husband's back there with the baby, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I see somebody with a baby, and I know that person dies to themselves every day. Because you don't want to get up at 3 in the morning to wipe a baby's butt. You don't want to deal with a puking kid at 1 in the morning. You don't want to, when you're dog tired at the end of the day, to play with your kids out back, right? It's just like, I'm tired. You know what I really want to do? I want to sit on the couch and look at my phone for the next three hours and eat dinner and go to bed. Because <laughs> I'm so tired. But I'm like, I am not living for myself. I'm living for my kids. And if you're married, anybody here married? You realize in the first five minutes of marriage that you cannot live for yourself anymore? You live for somebody else? Can't leave the toilet seat up anymore? You can't go golfing every night? You can't kill zombies on Xbox for five hours a day because your wife don't like it. And you die to yourself every day. And it's like, so when I truly say, my wife says, where do you want to eat? I'm saying, the correct answer is, no, honey, where do you want to eat tonight? Because it doesn't matter where I want to (laughs) eat. And I live this way. I mean, as a married couple, you know that we're two sinners with flesh that are selfish. And so if two married couples, if a married couple, like, they don't die to themselves, their marriage isn't going to work, right? I don't want to do this. But if I do it for my obedience to the Lord and for my wife, I'll be happy. We lay down our lives. And wives, we lay down our lives for our husbands. And you do that because it's dying to yourself every day. Guess what? If you serve anywhere at Jericho Road Church, it's dying to yourself. Right? We can say that, hey, like, come serve, you know, at the, at the, um, the parking ministry. Okay, what's the appeal? You're out in the cold, they're out in the rain, they're, you know, slipping on ice, they're out there when it was 100 degrees, but they're doing it because they're dying to themselves and helping people get to church and they're being a friendly face. Nothing about the parking lot ministry is self-serving, right, it's all about other people. Kids ministry, why do we serve in the kids ministry? We miss church, we don't get to see our friends Sunday morning, you know, Kids are screaming, kids are going crazy down there sometimes. <laughs> we don't do it for ourselves because it's fun. We do it because of our obedience to Christ. And because of that, he gives us joy, right? You see the sparkle in the kid's eyes and that gets you charged up and a kid starts to pray and that gets you charged up and, you know, you, it's a, we die to ourselves. Everything we do, greeting, like all this stuff is fulfilling, but at first it's dying to yourself. And, and that's kind of like the dying to yourself every day. So now that I laid some more foundation, I'll get into the three ways we die to ourselves um, found in, this, in, these, in these verses. But um, can you guys actually go back one more slide? Because this goes into the next one. It says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our who? Who's our neighbors? Is it talking about our neighbors next door? Not necessarily. He's talking about anybody around you. Anybody. That coworker who's annoying that you sit next to every day, or used to sit next to before COVID, that person is your neighbor. Your neighbor neighbor is your neighbor. The person behind you in the pew behind you is your neighbor. So we're not to please ourselves. We're to please our neighbors for their good to what? To build them up. To build them up. Build them up. Like, that's what we should do. So the first one, the first way to be ourselves is to focus on building others up. That's one practical way. And so you, personally, can focus on building up others. Not yourself, building them up others. And so it talks about bear with the failings of the weak. So when somebody fails, what do, what's our response in J Road, in Jericho Road Church, what's our response when somebody fails? Is it to kick them when they're down you know, they say this, the church is so good at shooting their wounded. They're the only army, God's army is the only army that shoots their wounded. Because somebody fails, the first thing we want to do is kick them out. We want to we have yeah, them have. They messed up. He's saying bear with the failings of the week. <clears throat> Pick them up. Dust them off and build, build, build them up. Hey, you could do it. We talked about this. like when we rebuke somebody, it's not a cuss word. Rebuke somebody is to build them up and love them and show them that there's a better way. Show them that there's a better way. So um, we don't write people off. God didn't write us off when we fall, when we sin. God doesn't write us off. The reality is when you get married, you're married to a sinner. And when you're in church, you're in a church filled with sinners that are only saved by grace. Amen? So we're not going to be perfect. We're going to do sinful things sometimes. And we repent to each other, we repent to God, and then we move forward. And so we pray for them, encourage them. And then he goes on to say, even Christ did not please himself. So it's saying, you need to stop being selfish. You need to live for others and die to yourself. Because why? Because God, when he came to earth in human form as Jesus, he didn't even live live to please himself. He didn't set up a throne and people worshiped him. When Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago, he washed people's dirty, nasty feet. He scrubbed between their toes his disciples. And he was a sinless, perfect God. So the Son of Man wasn't selfish. He died to himself and served served others. So if you commit to selfishness and commit to living for yourself, you're saying that you're better than God. You're, because God, when he came, he didn't die to himself. And so there's blessings that come out of obedience. We always say this, but when you obey God and you receive blessings, many blessings. And I know the church doesn't want to talk about this a lot because we think of blessings in the term of, like, money. Like, I'm not saying if you serve God, you're going to be blessed financially. But there's bigger blessings than money, right? Money isn't a blessing all the time. It's not. There's bigger blessings. And so it says here that there's two blessings that come from this verse, when you die to yourself. It says that you will receive encouragement and endurance from the Word. So when you read the Word, you'll see encouragement. And It's not just like, hey, you can do it, good job. Encouragement is what gets you through the day. Encouragement is like the opposite of depression. When you feel encouraged, you feel empowered, and that's something that can only come from God. And the other thing is endurance, endurance to keep going. This is the blessing He gives. I don't know about you, but money isn't a good blessing. Do you wanna know why? Because anybody can give you money, right? You could win money on a lotto ticket. Your boss can give you more money. But money doesn't bring encouragement. Money doesn't bring hope. Money doesn't bring endurance. God gives you blessings that only he can provide. And any rich person will say it's better than money. It says pray for the same attitude. If you want something to pray about this week, pray for the same attitude that Christ had when it comes to others. Pray that you look at other people the same way Christ did. He says, pray for that same attitude that Christ has, who he did not please himself. And the sad reality is, as we said, if you live for yourself, you'll be miserable. If you die to yourself, you'll be happy. If you live for yourself, you'll destroy everybody around you. Did you know that? If you live for yourself and say, hey, I'm going to be about me. I'm going to try to live my best life. You know, they say on MTV, you know, do what makes you happy. You know, I don't know if MTV might be an outdated reference. They say on YouTube or Snapchat. I don't know what's like. I don't even know if there's a newer one than Snapchat. Tinder. I don't know. Tinder. Tinder's before my time. I was married before Tinder came out. Thank the Lord. Um, so it's saying if you live to please yourself, you will destroy people around you. It's not going to get the results. Do what makes you happy. If something makes you happy, go for it. That'll destroy everybody around you. Spouse, kids, friends. Because you're living in a vacuum that only serves yourself. And God wants us to serve others. Okay, next one. We're going to read verses 7 through 13. He goes on to say, Accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth. So that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I'll praise you among the Gentiles. Here it goes into four Old Testament verses here. It says, Therefore I'll praise you among the Gentiles. I'll sing the praises of your name. And again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with all his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse, who is Jesus, will spring up one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will have hope. We talked about this last week. Gentiles is anybody who's a non- uh, Israelite or a non-Jew. So we're all, for the most part, Gentiles. So in Christ, all the Gentiles will have hope. And then Paul goes on in verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit so the second way we die to ourselves is accept people who are hard to accept this is a good one for the church to write down to pray about because not everybody is easy to accept in this verse isn't written, you know, when it's saying accept those, it's saying don't accept those that are easy to accept. You know what I mean? Accept those that are the hardest to accept because it says in verse 7, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. And again, he talks about the Romans to the the Jews and the Gentiles because they were living together in the same church. They weren't getting along. And for the Jewish Christians— It was hard to accept the Gentiles. They did weird things. They had weird rituals. They were different people, and they were hard to accept. So he's saying, just accept them as I have accepted you. And we as a church need to love those people that are really hard to love. You know, those people that require extra grace to love them? God will give you extra grace to love those people. And God wants us to love those people. The other opposite of this is favoritism. Remember when it says in the Bible, when somebody comes in your church and he's wearing nice clothes, in fancy jewelry, in Jordans, in a Rolex, in a Mercedes, and you say, "Hey, hey, come here, hey, let me give you a tour to the church. Hey, let me show you around." And then when somebody comes in in ragged clothing and you're like, "Hey, uh, the, the back pew's there." Um, and you know what? Uh, d- don't stay too long. you know? It's like we do this in our mind because we have the flesh. We gravitate towards people that are easy to love and wealthy and all these things. And we sometimes shun the ones that are harder to love. And what we don't realize is we are the ones that are hard ones to love. Right? Like that's what we need to keep going back to. If you think people are hard to love and you're like, oh yeah, I'm thinking of him. Think of yourself and how hard you are to love. We're no peaches. (laughs) Like we're not all, is is that the right term? We're no peach, I should say. (laughs) We're no peach. Jesus accepted us in all of the bad stuff we did. He forgave, and he didn't accept us into his courts because we were such good people. He accepted us despite the fact that we're evil, wicked sinners and chose to forgive us of all of our sins. Amen? And so when it comes to people that are hard to love, it's like, think about us. Jesus accepted us all our mess, all our stuff. He forgave us, and he wants us to do the same for others. So that's one way we die to ourselves, is to accept those that are hard to accept. We oftentimes look at ourselves with rose-colored glasses. I know, like, we do this so much. We look at ourselves and give ourselves the benefit of a doubt, and we look at others critically. We need to start looking at others the way other people's moms look at them. Right? Right? I know how your moms talk about you. They're the best person ever. They're the greatest. I, you know, you've all watched documentaries on Netflix, like Making of a Murderer type documentaries. These dudes are on death row, and their moms are like, he's an awesome guy, best guy you'd ever meet. Love him to death. He had a little glitch where he murdered like 10 people, but he's a great guy. Like, you know, like that's how Christ looks at us when we come to him in repentance and forgives us of for all of our sins, right? Right? And we look at ourselves and our people so favorably. And that's how we should accept others and love them and care for them. Christ did not receive us because we're perfect. In the same way, the blessing of the first section was encouragement and endurance. There's a blessing in the second part, and I don't know if you caught it. Um, Can you guys go back one verse, please? I know I'm just having you guys hop around. Here's the blessing. If you're reading Scripture— this is the verse you underline. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and I don't know what about you, but there's nowhere in this world you can go to for joy and peace other than Jesus Christ. Amen. Like the Bible is it. The word of God is it, God's it. Like you can't go anywhere else for joy and peace. And many of us look for it in other places. We look for it in other places. In some of us, even during this election season, have bought the lie that if the person we voted for gets in office, I'm going to have peace. You're not. If the person I voted for gets in, I'm going to have joy. Joy and peace don't come from these other things. They only come from our relationship with God. Amen? And if we die to ourselves and get with God, and spend time with Jesus, and consciously die to ourselves, we'll have joy and peace. It's not going to come from money. It's not going to come from your job. It's not going to come from your girlfriend, or it's not going to come from your husband. It's only going to come from God, and if we look for it in other places, we are going to be sadly, sadly let down, right? Joy and peace only come from God. So those are the blessings that come there. I'm going to read this last section to get our third point. It's verse 14, the very next verse, all the way down through 20. I had the slide guys do a lot, so thank you, Bruce, for all, my, all the verses I put in this week. It says this. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct each other. Okay? That right there is something that I would underline if you have your Bibles as well, and if it's a, during your devotion time. But he's saying, "I'm convinced my brothers and sisters that you, all of you guys that follow Jesus and have the Holy Spirit, are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. You have those tools." And so after kind of beating him up for a while, he says, "You're good. You're smart. And you can teach other people." Not because of yourself because you're great, because of you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Okay? I'll go on reading. Verse 15. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, And leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, so that so from Jerusalem all the way around Acrylium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on somebody else's foundation. And so the third way that we die to ourselves is this to guide others into a better way. To guide people into a better way. So the first is focus on building others up, accept people that are hard to accept, and guide people into a better way. He's saying, I'm fully convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you have to instruct. And he's saying, you also have the tools to preach the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. To share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. You have that ability as we said before, you guys have it all. You had it all, I'm saying you're full of all of this stuff. And you're able to, some, verse, if you're, some translations say, admonish one another or instruct. I am fully convinced that Jericho Road Church has some spiritual ballers, right? Ballers or ballettes, if you would. Do you guys know what a baller is? Like, somebody who's just like, got it all, you know? Like, they got it all. Spiritually speaking, there are ballers here, and the problem with the church is nobody sees himself as a spiritual baller. It's like, hey, do you want to help in the kids' ministry? Do you want to be a missional community leader? It's like, no, I can't do that. It just says here you're full of goodness, you're full of knowledge, and you're able to instruct others. And so you're ready. You're ready to do that. And that's part of my goal and you as a church is to build you guys up to do the work of the ministry. So we're not just centralized about one man or one woman. But we are all doing the work of the ministry. And for the most part, Jericho Road Church has had that foundation, and it's good. We see that if something needs to be done, I'll do it. If somebody needs to be served, like the missional community leaders, they serve in their, with their missional communities. I don't tell them what to do. I don't, they don't have to get permission. I don't tell them what to do. They go out and serve in different places because they're able to. And it's good. And a lot of times they can do it better than me and the staff here at j Road. And saying, you have it all. Most of you guys don't know this, but most of you are filled with knowledge. Number one, again, you have the Holy Spirit, but most of you have sat through 5,000 sermons. Right? You've sat through 5,000 sermons. They're in your brain somewhere. (laughs) They're there. And you have what it takes. And God, uh, and you read God's word every day. As we said, I hope you guys have set New Year's resolutions that were meant to draw you closer to Jesus, like reading your Bible every day or praying every day. I hope you guys set those New Year's resolutions in motion. If you're a few days behind, that's okay. Get on it, because Jesus wants to spend time with you every morning. And I have to say this, you know, part of this section here is saying you're able to instruct others and admonish others. It talks about instruct, rebuke. Oftentimes, it gets weird in the church if you have to correct another person. I don't know if you guys do that. If we are truly being the church, once in a while, we'll have to talk to a brother or sister and lovingly show them there's a better way. Hey, what you're doing is not good. You living together before marriage, that's not what God would have for you. You doing this is not what God wants. Like, you know, God doesn't want you getting drunk every night. Like, that's what we're supposed to do as the church. And listen, if you don't want somebody instructing you, then you shouldn't be in the church. Because it says the church should be building each other's up. And if you value your anonymity, if you value your privacy, and you don't want anybody speaking into your life, the church isn't the place for you. Because we're called to build each other up and spur each other on in love, right? And we should be open to receive that. I'm open to receive it. I have an elder team of, of guys that I meet with every other week, and they have full permission to call me out if I do something stupid or, you know, instruct me. And if I if I get defensive and say, the heck with you, then that's a sign of my pride not being open to instruction. And it's the same with all of us. we got to be open to God speaking to us through other people. And that's what the good thing is. And lastly, with instructing others in this last part, like, you have all the tools you need to be a baller for Jesus, is to proclaim the gospel. Jericho Road Church's mission is to reach the lost, equip the found, and send the willing. And so part of that, in 2021, we should be sharing the gospel. That's why we have the mission card, so you can write down when you share the gospel, so we can celebrate that and try to beat out last year's numbers of sharing the gospel. I'm really not concerned with how much money we bring in. I'm more concerned of how many people we bring into the gospel, right? I'm more concerned about how many people get saved this year than how much money we bring in. I'm more, like, consumed with reaching our neighborhood. I'm more consumed with these things. And so you guys have all the tools necessary to share Jesus with your friends and family. The reality is, if we do, if people die without putting their faith in Jesus Christ, they spend eternity separated from him in a place the Bible calls hell. And that should be a wake-up call for all of us to be sharing the gospel and and teaching, sharing whoever on the bus or, I don't know if anybody rides the bus anymore, but on the bus or, you know, when we go get our hair cut or when we do this, sharing Jesus. Because the Bible says Jesus could return at any minute, right? Jesus could return right now. He could return on the way home. And whatever opportunity you have to share Jesus with your loved ones and neighbors, we need to do that. And he's saying you have everything you have necessary. So that's my encouragement for you this week, is to die to yourself, build others up, accept those that are hard to accept, and show others a better way, guide others into a better way. And if you are here today, and you feel like, I haven't even really died to myself in salvation. I'm still holding something back from Jesus. Now is the day that we give our hearts to Jesus. That's the one time dying to yourself. And that's the most important time. Is you come to Jesus and say, God, forgive me for all my sins. I repent for my sins and I turn to you. And then we become saved and we get in the church, we read our Bibles and we serve and and do those good things. That's the first thing. And the next is we die to ourselves every day. And what that is, is surrendering ourselves. Guys, if there's one prayer you pray this week, pray this, God, I surrender myself to you completely. I hold nothing back, and I lay it all on the table for the sake of you and your kingdom. Amen? One of the most dangerous prayers that we could pray as Christians is this. And this is like a step below surrendering. It's like, God, break me if you have to. God, break me. I remember I prayed that prayer a long time ago, shortly after I was saved, and I said, break me from every selfish desire. And if we ask our Father to break us, He's not going to break us to the point where we're broken and unfixable. He's going to break us down of all our selfishness, of all our desires. And so pray, God, break me. And when you do that, you put yourselves into the hands of God and say, do with me what you want. I surrender myself before you. Break me, Lord. Let's pray. God, we come before you and just thank you for your word in Romans. Thank you that, for the blessings that you give of encouragement, endurance, of joy, of peace. And God, help us realize that we're not going to get these from anyone else. We're not going to get these from any person, any official, any job, any house, any car, any clothing. We're not going to get joy from anywhere. That comes from you, God. So help us go to you as our well for those things. God, we love you and we worship you. God, I surrender myself to you and I pray that we as a church, individually, surrender ourselves to you every day. And we say, like, Paul, I die every day. Every morning when we do our devotions, we lay our lives down before you and say, God, I'm, a, I'm an empty vessel. Fill me with whatever you want. Break me of my sin. Break me of my selfish desires. And help me be filled with you and your Holy Spirit. So, God, help us die to ourselves every day. So, God, we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.